friends, the angels have a very clear message for you this month, and it's this. Do not hold the vibration of fear. Hold the vibration of love. Do not hold the vibration of hate. Hold the vibration of peace. I wanted to let you know that we'll be praying more together here on this podcast. In my lifetime, I've witnessed personally miracles that occur when people come together and use their free will to pray. The angels say it shifts energy, creates an opening for healing, and brings positive change. Please join me at the end of today's episode and every episode this month to pray for and envision peace on earth. We'll also be praying together over on my Instagram page if you want to join us at Angel Podcast. Now here's today's episode. Hello, beautiful souls. Welcome back to the Angels and Awakening podcast. I'm your host and author, Julie Jancis, and today we are here with a healer on my Angel Wellness Center team. Her name is Cheryl Harris. No relation, even though my <laughs> last name used to be Harris. Um, and you know what? We always forget to say this at the end, but you can book a session with Cheryl. So really quick background information. We were on a call this morning and she was talking about some very, very powerful information when it comes to grief and processing a loved one's passing. And I said, well, do you have time today? I have this one window from 12 to one. Can you hop on? And she's like, sure, I can make it. Um, so that's why we're here today with you now. Uh, I'm gonna let Cheryl kind of give you the background information of, of her loss that she just experienced um, and how it ties into her processing past losses that she's experienced. Cheryl, welcome to the show. I wish it was under better circumstances. Hi, Julie. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, I really appreciate that. So as Julie mentioned, um, we had our, uh, my great aunt was living with us for the last three years. Um, she was 81 years old when she passed. She passed this last Tuesday. Um, she she chose to pass at home. She had gotten sick um, just before the holidays and went into the hospital and they discovered she had had a heart attack and that she was in um, severe kidney failure as well um, and then developed sepsis and everything. And then so and the, with COVID and everything, it was difficult to put her in a nursing home because not a lot of nursing homes out there had beds. Um, and given the choice, she preferred to come home anyhow. Anyway, because I think she knew it was getting close to the end. Um, all her siblings had passed. She had no other family other than us. So she, she knew. And, and she would say, you know, you're my only family. Um, so we brought her home on January 14th. And um, she had difficulty making it upstairs to her bedroom. So we had to quickly make a makeshift bedroom in our dining room. You know, and this is a Friday night trying to find a rollaway bed of some sort to make for a bedroom for her. But we did. We, and we made it comfortable for her. And we had um, outside sources come in and help with her as well. 
over the next week or so, we did see a decline, um, both in her appetite and um, just her moving around and everything. I had mentioned to Julie back last fall, I had taken a death doula course and became certified in that. And it's interesting how things come into your life when they come in, because I, I was able to kind of use some of the things I learned in the course while dealing with Mary these last couple of weeks. And so we made her room as comfortable as we could in our dining room. She was, you know, she had very simple taste. You know, she loved sports and she loved old Westerns and she loved animals. So that was the majority of her day was spent watching the sports, watching an old Western or having the dogs go in and check on her and everything. I brought a lot of her photos down from upstairs in her bedroom and put them all around the room so that she had them to look at. Friday night, we noticed a, a, a big decline with her. Um, and then and we were having a huge blizzard on Saturday. And I was like, oh, goodness, I hope she doesn't pass on Saturday because I can't imagine trying to get police and ambulance and everything up into my driveway with, you know, 10, 12 inches of snow. So she didn't, thankfully. And then Monday morning, um, both my husband and I woke up and we said, you know, we should be staying home today. We just had that feeling, you know, of staying home. And so, and it was a good thing we had because she had gone to the bathroom and then she yelled and said, I need some help. So we helped her back into bed um, and then she stayed there. And I said, well, I don't want you trying to get out of bed anymore. I'll help you with anything you need. And she goes, no, I'm okay. She was mortified that David had seen her in her underwear. And I said, don't worry about that, Mary. I said, but that was how she was. She was 81. You know, that's how she was brought up. You know, I I would come in with her and visit with her. We talk about all the relatives that were in all the photos and everything. And she had this one photo of her and her um, nieces and nephews. And I said, Mary, do you realize that you and one other niece are the only ones living in that whole photo? Yeah. And she goes, I know. I go, what do you think they're all doing right now? She goes, well, I can tell you what this one's doing. And I can tell you what that one's doing and this one's doing. And so we had a nice laugh about things like that. And we talked a lot about things. And so that night she got ready to go to bed and everything. And I just kept checking on her and everything. Cause I had a, I had set up like a nanny cam to kind of just keep an eye on her to make sure if she fell or if I heard a noise or I was at work and she fell, I could see what happened. Um, so I kept checking on it throughout the night. I didn't see a lot of movement. I saw Rocco. Rocco would come in and check on her and then come back to bed. Um, the next morning I woke up and I just had that feeling. And I walked in and I said, yeah, she had passed. And then I had David come check to be sure. And, and she had, she had passed. She passed on her own terms. She passed at home surrounded with family and and surrounded with Rocco and Max. Max is our cat and Rocco's our little four pound chihuahua. And she just loved those two animals. Um, And they were always right near her. So that made her happy. So it was interesting after that had happened because then it allowed me, I, I not only grieved Mary, but then I 
had this wave come across me of now I can grieve my mother's passing. And to talk about that, my mom passed away. So Mary came to live with my grandmother and my mother. Oh, goodness, probably 30, 35 years ago. Mary was my grandmother's youngest sister. And so, and the way things were back in those days, she was actually the same age as my mother. So the three of them lived together. Um, And then over time, my grandmother passed. So Mary went to live or stayed with my mom. So my mom kind of became her little, you know, caregiver. Mary was very self-sufficient. She worked, she, you know, drove, but that was about it. She she, that was her limits right there. So she, how can I put this? Over time, my mom, my mom was really nice, but there were times when my mom could be a real bitch. <laughs> and I'll be blunt. And, you know, and I'd always wonder, why is she being so bitchy? And I never really could figure it out. But when my mom passed, Mary came to live with us because she had no other family. And so, I mean, here's this 81-year-old woman coming to live with me. She's not my mother. And I've just now transitioned through my mother's illness and dealing with her death and closing up her estate. She's now come to live with us in our home. We've had to do some modifications to have her live with us. And having Mary live with you is almost like having a teenager live with you. So I never felt like I could truly grieve my mother's death because there was a little bit of me that was resentful that Mary was still here and my mom wasn't, you know, and I just felt like I was constantly going, you know, if I wasn't doing something at the, during the day for my mother's estate, I I felt like I was doing something to get things prepared for Mary and working and just back and forth, back and forth. And then you know, as everyone knows the story, six months later, Kim passes away. And so here again, my mother's grieving gets pushed a little bit further back. So that one, I really grieved and everything. I grieved that, and I still grieve that to this day. And it's been almost three years. So like I said, over the course of the last three years that Mary's lived with us, there were times I will admit that it was fun to have her around. I mean, she was my last female blood relative. And then there were other times where I was like, oh, please, I just want my life to go back to what it used to be. And when she passed, I just want to scoop back a little bit about why I called my mother when I said my mother could be bitchy, is I could see that man. I now took on that role that my mother had. And I can, I know when my mother would get bitchy, why she would do that. And it was out of frustration at times. And I think, and looking back on that now, I really have a lot more empathy for my mom during those periods. Instead of looking back on, what a witch. But she wasn't. She was just, it was her letting out, letting her steam off. 
Well, I've recognized and I realized that, you know, we all go through challenges. We all know that. But um, actually, one of my goals for myself this year is to stop any judgment because judgment flows Mm -hmm. in. Judgment is one of those thoughts that it's not like you're sitting there as a no one's a bad person saying, I want to have these bad thoughts, right, of of another person. but. What spirit really came in when I was praying on 2022, they said no judgments, zero judgments, because if you have not lived another's path and none of us have lived one another's path, you can't truly know. So talk to me, too, about like how you told me this morning, like seeing this, understanding this perspective differently as you walked in your mom's shoes, you had some resentments too of talk about that. I had resentments toward the fact that I felt like we couldn't go anywhere. We couldn't do anything without either including her or making sure she was accommodated And that even came down to even going out to dinner. I mean, we didn't have date night, you know, or just going on a trip or, you know, everything, you know, and toward the end of it, the last year or so, it was like whatever we cooked, we had to make sure that it was good for her palate as well. So, you know, there was just total changes in our lifestyle, you know, and she had some medical issues as well um, that we weren't set up to take care of, but had to start taking care of that. Um, So we were definitely pushed into a caregiver mode that we weren't prepared to to take on. But for the most, you know, the one thing about Mary and David loved this, he could sit down with her, they would talk about football, they'd talk about baseball, basketball. And if you ever wanted to know the weather, just go to Mary, she'd tell you what the weather was going to be. And she (laughs) was right. You know, Or she'd give you the latest news. I mean, she was good that way. And, you know, and she loved, she loved my grandchildren and she was always thoughtful, always asking about everybody. And um, when we got Rocco, um, Rocco was actually born the day before Kim passed. And I had already had another chihuahua from this breeder. And when, and I had been working with this breeder in the springtime to get another like sibling for Bella. And um, so when um, Ruth found out that Kim had passed, she said, I have puppies born, you know, due on this day. You have first pick of the litter. And she sent me pictures and everything. And it was on July 4th and it was just too, too right to go with. So we did, we went and we chose little Rocco. Bell, um, Mary and Rocco just had a connection that was just, too cute to watch. I mean, he constantly would go over to her and he, you should have seen him. He'd come into her bedroom and he, on his little tiny legs, he'd lift up and look over to see if she was doing okay. And the night we brought her home from the hospital, she sat down in the chair and, and Rocco jumped up in the chair and was in her face, licking her and kissing her. And it was like watching like a little child on Christmas morning that you're just giving them a puppy the two of them carrying on that I, that was so worth everything to see that. So I know that deep in my heart, bringing her home for her last few weeks here was the right thing to do. 
Beautiful souls, do you regularly see repeating numbers, cardinals, or other signs? If so, your angels and loved ones on the other side are trying to tell you something. These signs aren't just a cute hello from the universe. These messages go deeper. These messages are about you, your life, your relationships, your purpose, and how God needs to work through you in this lifetime. Friends, we all go through moments where we question, am I doing this right? Am I on the right track? The thing is, our higher self knows the true answer. Our angels and loved ones in heaven do too. I've worked with the angels to channel the steps you can take to uncode your own personal messages and clearly hear answers from the other side. This workshop will give you your own unique way of communicating with your spirit team and leaning on them for support. After this workshop, you'll be able to integrate these steps into your life to clearly communicate with your angels daily. This workshop is on Saturday, March 26, 2022 at 10.30 a.m. Central Time. It's called Signs and Angel Numbers, a divine guide to clearly understanding your angels. If you're an angel member, this workshop is included in your membership. Non-members can register for this workshop on my website, theangelmedium.com. And if you're listening to this in the future, you can also check it out on the website as well. So talk about, do how do you think that that worked? Like, um, so her passing, Aunt Mary's passing, kind of opened you up in a way to grieve your mom's passing even more. How does that work? You know, it was like, it was like a weight was lifted off my shoulders and suddenly my mom, like, I I don't want to say she appeared in front of me because she's always been there for me and I've always felt her, but it was like, she was there now. You felt her presence. Yeah, I felt her presence and it was, it was time now to sit there and grieve her and to give her my attention. Hindsight's twenty twenty, Cheryl. So for other people listening who are like, yeah, Cheryl, you're spot on. I'm going through this too. What Spirit is saying is, you know, some people think to themselves, well, am I wrong or am I bad for not grieving it this way or or like I should be able to. But what Spirit's saying is there was no other way. Like this is how it had to unfold. Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. Everyone has their own way of grieving. And you know, I, I don't know, maybe I was to t- take place and, and get Mary all prepared and settled in because they knew that I was going to be full of grief in six months, which I was. And I, and I, and I always used to say, I never got the chance to properly grieve my mother because I went right from you know, care, you know, grieving my mother quickly, caregiver, and then right into grieving Kim. So what's coming to you now of like, how you feel you need to grieve her or you are grieving mom now? I'm grieving her. It's, it's like, it's like a piece. It's like a piece around her. Um, It's like, 
honoring her her passing and and it's kind of hard to explain it's not that i didn't honor her passing then but it's just it's just more peaceful now yeah and more more connection with her and just more um more brightness around her it's almost like it's her and i it's like yeah. we're in this like light bubble uh-huh. just her and i now Whereas yeah. before it was just Kim and I, yeah. and you know, but now it's it's my mom and I, and yeah. we can actually connect and and I can say to her, even though I said all the things before, you know how I felt. Now I feel like I can say them, and I feel like deeply that they're being heard and received. Yeah. Does that make sense? It does, but it brings up more questions within me. And um, hopefully my mom does not listen to this podcast. Um, So you know how when some people are at funerals and they're like, I forget what the term is. What do they say? They're like, don't romance the dead or like, don't make them out to be perfect because they weren't perfect. Right, Um, right. How do you deal with that polarity within yourself when someone grieves? Because on one hand, you love them just as much as life itself, if not, you know, more. And at the other, on the other hand, life was not perfect. Like we are all imperfect beings and we all have flaws and we're all making mistakes. And Everybody has that resting bitch face right. sometime that yeah. you were talking about earlier. So, you know, I think that there are a lot of people that I've talked with over the past who feel bad for, to your point, sometimes when like your aunt passed, it's, I don't want to say like a burden, but like a weight is lifted off right. of your energy right. field and like right. you're it's not that you're happy that your aunt is gone no. but it's just it does change your energy um and then there's other times where how do you honor the polarity when you love somebody so much and yet perhaps they were a pain in the ass mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> i no i totally get it i totally get it well like with my mom I can now sit there and honor her feelings, honor her life, honor the different situations that she went through in her life and respect that and know now what she, I can now walk in her shoes Mm -hmm. somewhat, Mm -hmm. just like, you know, with Kim, I know Kim wasn't perfect, Mm -hmm. you know, I can respect that and I can honor that. Yeah. Mary, I'm, Mary, for all her faults, she she never did anything to hurt anybody. Yeah. And I know, and I asked up until for about a week prior, I asked all the angels to come in and I asked all of her loved ones to make her passing just as easy and peaceful and loving and greeting as, as could be for her. I do miss her. I do... I I quickly had to rechange my dining room because I couldn't come into the dining room until we turned it back into a dining room. Yeah. Because every time I walked in, I just felt it was her room. 
Wow, this is really like pulling so many questions out of me. You know how sometimes, well, I believe that all mothers, no matter who you are, have the ultimate fear within our egoic minds of what if something happens to my child one day and it comes through for us differently. Maybe for some, it's a thought, maybe for some, it's an image. Um, And I think that for a lot of moms, it can stop and make us feel like, remember, what is that cradle song from like the 80s, um, Cats in the Cradle and the Silver Spoon? Yes. And where it talks about like the dad is like busy, 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 and he doesn't have time for his kiddo. But then, you know, like by the end, his son is grown, sees what the father prioritized and prioritizes that way himself. And I think that there can be times where we think as mothers, like, well, then how do I savor every moment? But the fact of the matter is like, my daughter is 10 and my mom says I was the exact same way, but like, she wants nothing to do with me anymore. Like she wants to be with her friends and she wants to be going to this class and this class. And she's, we get some time with her, but it's not a lot anymore. And she's only 10. Like, I I didn't expect that. I expected that more like at age maybe like 14, but she's little Miss Independent. And so how, how do you deal with that within yourself too? Because, I mean, if you look back, you probably don't say to yourself, I couldn't have spent more time with Kim because life is life. And life is life, yeah. It's, it's, it's something you grapple with all the time. You know, you sit there and you think, you know, if I had done this situation differently or, you know, maybe handled this, this way or that way, you know, I, I don't know if you remember this. I talked with you a little bit about it um, back just before the holidays. Kim has always come in my dreams, but it's never been, it's kind of been like a drive-by dream. Um, and then this one night, Prior to Christmas, I had this dream and it was so vivid and she was next to me and we were watching her life. And it was like we were watching a movie of her life. And, you know, and right at the moment, and and we were both crying and right at the moment, her life started to go down where everything started to go south. She leaned over and gave me the biggest hug and said, I love you, mom, and always will. And we were both just sobbing. And it was just such an uncontrollable sobbing. And I remember waking up sobbing. And that whole weekend, I was like out of sorts. And I think that was truly one of the first times I ever had a real deep visitation in my dreams from her. Because all of the other ones had always been like a, you know, kind of like a drive-by, like, hey. And this one, she was with me. And, and I think it was she and I both needed to know where those felt, where, where did the road turn? Yeah. But I, if I remember correctly, when we were talking about that last year, you were saying, but it left you with this feeling like it had to happen the way it happened. Exactly. Totally. It had to happen the way it happened. Um, And I'm a firm believer in that. And she had said that to me as well. It had to happen this way, which, you know, leaving us behind, we're like, we don't understand, but 
she is saying it had to happen the way it happened. And I, I respect that and honor that. Yeah. And you can feel it too. Like that was her like life plan. Right. Right. So there's just like, there's an understanding and a peace that comes with her coming through and just saying this happened, had to happen the way that it did. Yeah. And it does kind of make you take a step back and stop with the what ifs all the time. And just, it gives you that, the permission to move forward with the, with your grief in a different, different way. Instead of grieving why, why, why all the time, it's just grieving differently with, I wish you were here. We would be doing this. Ah, oh, that's so beautiful. Then that is like such a beautiful visual too, because grief doesn't disappear. Grief doesn't go away. The grief is your love between you and not being able to be physical with that, like with them here in the physical world anymore. And so you're always going to have grief, but I never thought of it of that perspective. Like the grief molds, the grief shifts, the grief changes. Yeah. Yeah, just like the weather, it it changes with you in, in each way. And I know she's with me and I constantly am talking with her and I see the little signs where she pops up and it could be a feather, it could be the, her song that comes on. Because she does have a song that will come on every time I go into the cemetery or if I'm just out and about, the song will come on and I know that's Kim. And I'll say, hey, Kim, how are you doing? Are you, are you, are you doing, are you agreeing with this right now? So, and it, you know, it's interesting. I had a conversation with a woman um, not too long ago and she said, well, how do I know my loved one is talking with me and not talking? And how do I know they're, are they talking with the others too, even though they're talking with me? And I said, of course they are. They're talking with everybody. I go, it's like, it's like God's love. God's everywhere. They're everywhere. If I thought Kim was just giving me her undivided attention and not giving it to Braden Hadley, I would feel so awful. But I know Kim is everywhere. And she's, she's like, there's no, there's no time. Yeah. She's everywhere. <sighs> I love, it's so hard. Like, um, I, I love our conversations together. I learned so much from you, Cheryl. You're just such a oh, powerful healer. Um, people can book sessions with you. I'm going to put you on the spot with a couple of different things because you do a couple of different things and we work together. I think we should start putting your death doula piece up on the website too. If people want to, to have that as a service that you can provide, um, because you can work with people remotely all across the world um, and you have such grace when you work with people and you're so intuitive. And I have witnessed you work with clients where I know that you're so, when I say you're so powerful as a healer, you bring in and you intuit exactly what they need. And I know that you do that with people who are passing as well and families who are grieving. Um, so I wanna throw that out there 
Um, Cheryl is an amazing healer. You can go see her if you just want an energy session or if you want to connect with your angel messages, if you want to talk about grief and how that grief transforms and, and evolves over time or your grief process. Even though she's not a grief counselor, she can talk to you that from the spiritual perspective. And also now, um, can we call it an end of life doula though? Yeah. Yeah. I don't like that death yes, either. I know. No, no, I know. No. Perfect. I don't know why they have that. Yeah. Well, and it was fascinating. It was like an angel story the other day. So I had um, a mom call. Um, I'm doing these discovery calls now where um, because we have like that scammer person over on Instagram who keeps uh, and Instagram won't take them down. So if you get a message over on Instagram, I'm, I'm saying it over and over again so that you know it's not me. I will not reach out to you on Instagram. I'll reply to you if you, re- uh, but I'm only at Angel Podcast. So I've been hopping on these discovery calls and this angel story goes like this. Um, Mom hopped on and she said, I really want to go through the Angel Reiki school because I really know that that's the best fit for me to be able to connect with my kiddo on the other side. And um, she said, but I keep having this feeling that I'm supposed to go through it with another parent who lost their kiddo too. And she said, do you have anything like that? Do you have, like, I know that you have a widow's group together, but do you have a group for parents who've lost a child? And I was like, why don't we have this? Um, We have to put this together. So I had a bunch of meetings that day, but spirit goes right now. Go on Facebook, go on your angel member private group, go on the Facebook tribe group and um, put it out there to everybody that you'll put this group together and people can just connect with one another like the widows group do. So I was like, I don't really want to do this. Like I haven't even gotten ready. I'm in my robe. Um, Like I haven't even, I just got back from working out and they're like, please just do it now you see how much my egoic mind talks with me and I have to just Mm -hmm. like spirit. If any of you are like my angels probably get so frustrated with me because they don't listen. Hello. That is all of us, right? Like that is all of us. And no, they don't get frustrated whatsoever. They just keep repeating themselves though over and over again. So they're like, no, right now, please. So I go on both groups and I say, okay, here's the story. Um, we'll have, we'll put this group together. I did not realize how many parents are in our community who had lost a child. And I really feel so bad about that. I did not realize how many people there are. And so you're taking on this new piece of kind of guiding people as they want to come together in this piece. And what I was thinking is you already run the small group in the angel membership the second Tuesday, no, sorry, second Monday of every month at 615. So would you want to just extend that a bit and parents of um, who have lost a child could join in that that group and just kind of stay on with you for a bit extra? Sure. Okay. Sure. I'd be happy to do that. Or even if you wanted to do one on a separate night, even. Okay. Uh, well, we'll, figure, 
Yeah, we'll figure yeah. that out. Um, but I want to open this up because if there are parents who would like to be a part of this group, please email us so that we can get you the information and um, just offer you that support system. And we'll get you how to set up with the angel membership so that you can be a part of this group. You can email us over at juliejancis at gmail.com. And we'll also put this information in the show notes below. But Cheryl, I, I after our conversation this morning, um, so you're signing on your contract where you'll be here um, through at least <laughs> like January of 2024. Um, and I was like having all these ideas after our conversation. I think that you need to be teaching some courses next year in 2023. And so I'm excited for that, too, because I think that there's I know. There's just so many messages that you're here to pull together and um, share with the world. And I'm excited for people to get to learn from you because there are some people who are hard or abrasive and you're just pure love, my friend. Oh, you thank are you. Love thank and you. comfort and kindness and support. And um, I'm excited for you to kind of build a community within our community. Thank you. Thank you. I want to tell you too, there, when it's, it's interesting when you start connecting with other parents that have lost a child, you develop a bond with that person from, you know, all of a sudden you go from being strangers to you're the closest and they get you. I mean, you can say stuff and share stuff and they just get you. And it's just, it's an, it's an amazing bond. And just like I said to my friend, the day Kim passed, I joined your group today. And it is, that is what it is. It's a group. It's a group that nobody wants to be part of, but it's a solid true supportive group of, of, of people that come together for each other. They're helping each other, not only themselves, but they're helping each other. Well, what I've been learning in life is that you don't know what you don't know. And if you, I can only imagine that if you lose a child, you don't know your way out and it feels deep and it feels heavy and if you can't see your way out, how do you get out? How do you transform that grief to your earlier point to go in a different direction? And so does that group then, Cheryl, um, kind of give you a direction? Because you're not going to move on, but there is a transition of your grief where you do move forward. But do you find that that's true too? Like they give that to you, they help you see that they do they do they also will help validate certain feelings like I remember last year um, reaching out to one of my friends that had lost her son her son had been passed for a while now and I said I thought the first year was going to be hard the second year anniversary was so much harder than the first year and she said that's because the first year you're going through all those first. So that's what your mind is concentrating on. And then, and everyone else is going through the first with you. 
all of her friends, all of her family, they're all like, first for them, first for you. And then when the second year rolls around, then it's like, I don't want to say you find yourself by yourself, but sometimes that circle of people that was around you supporting you kind of tends to get a little smaller sometimes. There aren't as many people that check in, you know, and you want to keep her memory alive or their memory alive. So you find you switch to that mode. And, you know, and when she said that she was right. And I found, I shared that information with a friend who, whose son had passed. And when the second year was approaching, I said, and I told her, I said, don't, don't beat yourself up if you have an overcoming of feelings as the second year approaches. That's normal. Or that's to be expected because nothing's normal. I mean, there is no normal in this. It's just, it makes it up. It makes the rules up as you go along. And you just go with it. Oh. But, but it's nice to have that support to have leaned on. Otherwise, I would have thought, what was wrong with me? Why, why am I so taking it harder the second year than the first year? It reminds me of um, a lesson I learned in college where, long story short, basically, there's always people in front of us. There's always people who know more than us. There's always people who know less than us. And so we always have our hands extended out, one in front of you, one behind you to allow other people, you're, allow yourself to get the help you need to pull yourself forward, but then also reaching back and pulling somebody else forward as well. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And I have to tell you, too, um, going through the end of life doula situation yeah. and also going through as many deaths that I have. <laughs> My mother-in-law passed away in December. And so I found myself, you know, quickly going into end of life doula mode. And, you know, we're sitting at the house, you know, waiting for everyone to come to, you know, gather my mother-in-law and everything. And the next day we had the, um, went to the funeral home to make the arrangements and everything. And here's my father-in-law and my husband, you know, and they're sitting with the funeral woman. Um, and she's appearing to be rather new at this. And so I'm more like a bystander in this. I'm more along as support. And so they're going through and she's showing them all the different packages. And she says, okay, so this package, you have these three choices for urns. And I'm sitting there and I'm watching the two of them decide, well, which urn do you think? Well, that's not bad. Well, this is okay. And, and I'm like, no. I, I, I said, you know, Jean loved roses. She loved flowers. I go, can we find her something with flowers on it? And I said, what about roses? And, and the funeral director is like, I don't think we have anything like that. And I go, I know you do. Keep looking. And because I, I just went through this two years ago. So I know there is such a thing out there. And so she kept moving around, moving around on the internet. And she finally found one. And it was a white one. It was all covered with pink roses on it. And I go, that's beautiful. And my father-in-law leaned over. And he goes, that's perfect. Thank you. And he even came up to me the day of the funeral and said, Cheryl, this is a beautiful urn. Thank you for picking this out. And I said, well, it, it was Jean. And also when we were in the prep meeting, my sister-in-law 
is in a nursing home and Jean had siblings in Canada and with COVID and everything, it was hard to get everybody together for a funeral. And so they were, you know, the three of them, meaning my father-in-law and my husband and this funeral director were going back and forth of what they were going to do. Were they going to videotape it? And they're going back and forth. And again, I go, excuse me, but I happen to notice you have a Facebook page and I noticed that you do a Facebook live funeral. I noticed it because I happened to fall upon it and I saw someone's funeral that I didn't even know had passed and watched the whole funeral. She goes, oh yeah, we do do that. I'm like, well, let's do that. And so we set it up and it was perfect because it, now it lives on Facebook. They can watch it whenever. So the day of the funeral, you know, the woman was going around with the camera and everything and got the whole service and everything. And then I saw some of the relatives were there and I go, hey, why don't you go up to the camera and let Betty know your feelings? I think she'd like that. There was a line of family members up to the camera, just giving Betty, who was her daughter, my husband's sister, condolences because they hadn't, they hadn't been able to see her because she was in a nursing home. And that was so nice to see. And, you know, in, in, in one respect, I am so grateful that I was able to have that step back and be able to do all those things and kind of help coordinate so that you can make the best you can out of that situation. 100%. Cheryl, I love talking to you. You're amazing. Thank you so much for taking like random time out of today to just be here. Um, But I really think so many like nuggets of wisdom that people listening just needed to take away from today's episode. Um, You can find Cheryl over on my website, theangelmedium.com. Then go to sessions, the sessions tab um, in the menu. And when you scroll down in the sessions, you're going to see Cheryl's beautiful picture, her beautiful smile. um, And that's where you can go to book a session with her or with any of the five healers on my angel wellness center team we'll be adding to that um beautiful team later on this year as we add more people in um, and they go through the application process and the entire process to become a healer but um cheryl thank you so much to to thank you you for just being here i love your energy Thank you, Julie. Thank you for having me today. Of course, of course. Um, To everybody listening, open up your heart to all of the beautiful miracles, blessings, um, and just angel messages that they are bringing in to you today. Beautiful souls, I just want us to take a moment and pray together. I want you to start by taking a deep breath in and a deep breath out. And I just want you to feel your crown chakra opening at the top of your head. I want you to feel God's loving oneness energy pouring like a waterfall of love into your entire body surrounding your auric field, filling every molecule of space within you, surrounding you. And I want you to feel that you are so filled to the brim with oneness energy 
that it begins to radiate out like the rays of energy that radiate out from the sun. And friends, what I want to do this month is every time you come to the podcast, I want us just to pray together. The reason we pray, we have shown it scientifically, it does make a difference. When you pray, they have shown scientifically that it does something within another person's energy field. That person might not know that they are being prayed for, but something is happening energetically. So let's come together right now today and just pray. Ah, uh, Danny, if you could take that over again. So let's just come together today and pray. There's a lot happening in the world right now, and this is not about letting fear consume you. This is about taking your energy and directing it the way you want it to go. And so we're going to use our intention today. We're going to use the love that God has just poured into us today to radiate that love out, radiate our intent, prayers, ask God to surround angels with the people on earth who need it. And in particular today, we're going to ask that God surround with angels, the people of Ukraine, to provide the people of Ukraine with angels that give them strength, that give them hope, that give them divine wisdom. Friends, this isn't a political thing whatsoever. This is a human thing. This is a collective consciousness thing. And what we're doing today is bringing more love into this world. So I want you to just take a moment to pray with me. Dear God, universe source, we know that there are babies that uh, should be in a NICU right now, special needs children who should be in an ICU hospital right now who are not able to because of the conflict that is happening in Ukraine. And God, we ask you to protect those children, to heal those children, to surround those children with the angels that they need to give them everything to become fully 110% healthy. God, universe source, we pray for the mothers who are pregnant right now, who are fear-filled of how they're going to give birth, where they're going to give birth. We ask you to put their hearts, their minds at ease and create a safe place for them to bear children into this world. God, we pray for the displaced families the children who are unsure of what's going on, who have fear in their hearts. We pray for those children to be surrounded by angels of comfort, angels of love who fill them up so that they know they're not alone and they feel a semblance of safety, of security. We also play, pray for those displaced families, those who are left behind, 
those who are still fighting. God, we ask you to give them courage. We ask you to give them strength. We ask you to fill them with every single thing that it is that they need to get through this time in their life. God, Universe Source, we ask you to provide everyone in Ukraine with angels to surround them. God, Universe Source, we also pray for those who have lost somebody in this conflict that you help bring healing to the hearts of those who are left behind. And friends, I just want you to take a moment to add in your own prayer right here, right now. Friends, your angels ask you to hold a vision of future earth, and that is one filled with peace with love, where there is all peace on earth. And if your egoic mind comes in, gets in the way and says, that's not possible, Julie, it is. We all have to hold that vision within our minds right now. So start by holding it within yours, by seeing all of earth as peace-filled as loving towards one another. Your angels say that now more than ever, it's so important for you to do your own work on yourself. Because when you're spiritually healthy individually, it leads to us being spiritually healthy as a collective. So doing the work on yourself individually lends itself to peace within all. When you have peace within you, we can have peace within the collective. So friends, please know that your angels do not want you to be fear-filled. They want you to, anytime your egoic mind brings in fear, use your intention Use your ability to pray. There is no wrong way to pray, to pray for people you care about, even if you don't know them. Use this opportunity to look at your own life and the lessons that God, universe, source, your angels are trying to bring into you right now on how to bring more peace into your life. So that as you create a more peace-filled world for yourself, we can come into a more peace-filled collective as a whole. Friends, I want you to see one more time, peace on earth, peace within yourself, peace within your own life. I want you to send that energy that you are filled with, that oneness energy, out to the world, out to the people of Ukraine, out to everyone on this planet who needs it. Remember, it's not coming from you. It's coming through you from God, universe, source. If you allow it to, that oneness energy is an unlimited source that will flow through you to everybody who needs it here on earth. Friends, 
thank you for coming together. Thank you for praying with me. Thank you for sending love out into the universe. Every single time your egoic mind tries to bring you back into a fear state, I just want you to stop for 30 seconds, call in your angels, and just pray. Just feel that oneness automatically radiating within your body and just send it out into the world to those who need it. Friends, I love you. Spirit loves you. Your angels, your loved ones on the other side, they are looking out for you. They're with you right here, right now. Open up your heart to miracles, to blessings, to this vision of peace filling this world. Bye, friends.